Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we are back for what might be the most difficult episode of this podcast I have ever been a part of. Probably. Maybe. And I don't even doubt you for it. Like, I don't blame you for it. By Speak way, your mind, back. Adam. Speak my mind? Yes. I've gotten texts after every other after every game saying, "Are you mad?" And mentions. I was a little. Oh, don't, 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 don't bring up mentions. Don't bring them up, Daniel. Don't bring them up. Um, Touchy subject. It makes me feel like I'm in high school again. Some of that stuff. I won't lie to you. Um, anyway, listen. I see everyone laughing at Montreal, and I can I can think at least we're in the position to be laughed at. If you want to make fun of me when your team blew a 3-1 lead in the first round to my team, if you want to laugh at us for losing in the cup final, you can do that. I can feel worse about a lot of other things, is when all you, I will say. When you say that, who are you thinking of? No one in particular. Okay. Well, not to mention you go on Twitter every day and it's like, ah, the Habs. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, they've been a, it's been a frustrating series because it's not like Tampa have just been rolling all over them. It's Montreal beating themselves, which is the most frustrating thing. It's been just mistake after mistake at points. And I, we look at game three, and the hype level for that was incredible. The city was buzzing. The arena was so loud, and it was the worst start to a playoff game I think I've ever seen. Well, maybe not Maybe not like the Islanders losing 8 nothing to Tampa Bay, but... By the way, hindsight, how impressive is it that the Islanders got to seven? Uh it's impressive, but I, for I don't know. For me, I kind of expected it. Like I, I think it's impressive because Tampa Bay is the deepest team. Like I think there's an argument to be made that they're probably one of, if not the deepest teams in the salary cap era. They're the, in my opinion. Like I, I can't think of any other team off the top of my head, uh, at least in the 2010s, who were as deep as Tampa. Daniel, if you have any ideas of the 2000s. Uh, um, could be deeper, but like I, I can't yeah. think of a, a single team in the cap era that is has David Savard or Eric Cernak as their third pairing defenseman. The only one I could think of is the 2010 Blackhawks, where I know they became a cap casual team too, but for what they were able to do for that one, well, I guess those two runs, 2009, 2010, right? Because they, in a way, they had Havlat and they, they didn't sign him and then they got Hosa instead, but. Yeah, like who are their D, who are their D though? It so like Seabrook Prime and, Seabrook, yeah. Keith, yeah, yeah. Brian Campbell. Okay. When he was really good. Yeah. Um, going back to Florida. Oh, Michael Roosevelt when he was good. So like uh, let's look at that for example, because then you look at Ta- I think at least Tampa wise, their forwards are unreal. And then I guess like the question is, I think overall, I, I think you would say that playoff Kucherov is probably at worst. Patrick Kane level, probably better, honestly, playoff-wise, the way he's going. Would you rather Taves or Braden Point? Those are two massive playoff performers, but still wicked players. 
And then it's like, okay, Hosa or Stamkos. And then what's really impressive is then Tampa did it with one shift from Steven Stamkos last year. Right. And probably okay. focus on what they're doing right now, by the way, that they just are. Just one. You're going? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. Go, 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 go. Oh, no. So I just want to say the four because I didn't get to see the forwards for that Blackhawks team in yeah, terms yeah. of their depth. So it's pretty solid. Yeah. At least they're top their top nine so first line was and this was for the stanley cup finals 2010 yeah. so first line was dustin bufflin jonathan taves patrick kane <laughs> what a throwback forward dustin bufflin yeah of uh, second line was troy brower patrick sharp and marion hosa when brower was good yeah. yeah yeah and then their third line was andrew ladd dave Bolin, and christopher steeg oh yo looking oh that's actually yeah people gotta remember dave Bolin again used to be wicked before the Leafs. And same with Andrew Ladd. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And I mean, and, but then like Tampa at the same time. I know. The go- they beat them at the goalies. Like Coleman. Yeah. But even the third line, like forget about the third line for a second. Or the goalies. I mean, the third mm-hmm. line, like Coleman and what he's been doing. And then like fourth line, Pat Maroon. You're like, what even is this? Tyler you, Johnson. Yeah. You brought up, uh, like you brought up Coleman, but Goudreau, Goudreau as well. We, we were having discussions, uh, what, 18 months ago about whether they were both worth, worth first pound round picks and then in Coleman's case, a first and a prospect. And two year, 18 months later, we're having a discussion that Tampa could repeat as Stanley Cup champions. I don't think anyone in Tampa Bay is thinking about those two first round pl- picks <laughs> plus the first r- plus the first round pick they gave up for David Savard. Like It's yeah. like, we'll figure it out. It's further proof that you need to have a third line that is an absolute juggernaut. And it goes right. back to back in the Pittsburgh HBK day lines. Like it, this is further proof, man, of, of, and again, how important depth is. It's yeah. incredible to look at on the other side. And like, listen, there, there, you know, people are going to say it right now. I'm going to mention the cap stuff in a positive light here, because it is what Julian Breezeball was able to pull off and Iserman in the same, because again, Iserman had a big part of putting this team together as well. Um, normally you never like saying someone who left the organization should get a ring at the same time though. And he obviously wouldn't want one, but Iserman is incredible. Like is so much in the way that he should get one. Tampa's going to be interesting to look at after this is all said and done. Cause I believe as of right now, they're 5 million over the cap. Yeah. So I think only that five includes million. only five, which is yeah. a massive upgrade for them. So that would include <laughs> that Hosa Nielsen would both be gone, right? Correct. You mean Gabrick? Gabrick. Who did I say? Hosa. 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 Well, he's gone. He's on Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> was, how long has he left for? Do you know uh, Zetterberg's up this year? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at Detroit's cap cool. the other day. I think Ryan Kessler has two more years with the Ducks or one more year. And he's doing this Kess's house thing. And yeah. like, technically, you should be playing right now. Great. <laughs> but, you know, hips and whatnot. But, you know, he's messing around with Jeannie Bouchard and Post Malone, and no one cares. Post Malone was there? I didn't even know that. Yeah. I thought they were only keeping it Canadian. You're, ki- you're, no. you're joking, right? I'm not joking. I, I didn't about, know. Dude, they've been, the commercials have been slathered everywhere. They, I think they've done such a they've done such a good job of promoting Cass's house. And, but nothing I did, else. and nothing else because I didn't know that there was a draft lottery until a week <laughs> before. I didn't know there was the award show. Like I found out the night of after it started, which mm-hmm. is like if I'm Sportsnet, I'm like, well, I want to promote the crap out of this. Like, let's get mm-hmm. this. Like, come on, guys. 
That's what happened last week where I'm like, yeah, when they uh, awarded them and then like, oh, they awarded them. I'm like, yeah, on, on Zoom. And they're like, yeah, I didn't watch it. <laughs> It's, they don't really promote like it just comes to you they tell you oh by the way this is happening in two days there's not really any like lead up to like in terms of you know commercializing it or saying you guys should be excited about this what's interesting is we're about two and a half weeks from the expansion draft yes about we gotta we gotta start with the 21st so we gotta not seeing anything about that. Now I'm sure soon they will start promoting. Maybe they're waiting until after the cup final, but you would probably start pulling everything you can into that. Um, and the draft too, because that's your biggest. I really hope they rework how they're doing the draft online this year, because last year was just abysmal. Anyway, though, um, we're looking at, let's look at the other side of this. And, and on the other side, we have the Montreal Canadiens, the team that I will die for in my life. Um, a team I would give a finger for, for them to come back in this series. Not even joking about that. Take it too seriously. I know I do. We all do. We love the sport. Um, the Canadians are not out yet, um, but they are facing a mammoth task, a.k.a. they are down 3 nothing against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and they have to beat them for four straight games, which I don't remember the last time Tampa lost four straight games, period not just in the playoffs, which again, what's it been like more than two playoff rounds where they haven't lost back-to-back games? Uh, they have a mammoth task. They do. It, yeah. There's, I think, I I, I want to say the stat is like 11-0 and 0 for Vasilevsky after coming off a loss. I'm pretty sure his last three series clinching games or his last three elimination games yeah. he's had all had shutouts yeah he's kind of a good goalie <laughs> montreal have five goals in three games yeah it's not that's not great three of them were in the last game by the way yeah it, it's it's not a fantastic position to be in and i i don't i don't think like i think this series is completely new for Montreal. Like, I don't think you can look at the series against Vegas. Can't look at the series against Winnipeg or Toronto as comparables because Tampa Bay is just levels above these teams. If you, if anyone tells you that Toronto is like anywhere close to Tampa, they're so wrong. Like I would have told you that. I think we would all agree that that was the case before their playoff series. Like before the collapse, but like, as a Habs fan, I now look at the Leafs as a stepping stone. And now sure. I look at Tampa and it's like, oh. Yeah. So Oh yeah. This is a this is a monster. Right. It's, the big problem is Montreal have to play Tampa's game, which is you have to score. But what is Tampa? Like I think we've had this discussion. Like what is Tampa's game? I think um, they get <laughs> your game, they crumple into yeah. a piece of paper and they kick it across the room. Because like that's that's exactly it. Because like you described it at the beginning, where it's where Tampa is capitalizing on all of Montreal's turnovers, or not all yeah. of them, but many Once, of them. They made two mistakes in game two, and it lost them because Tampa are that good. And and isn't that what Montreal has been doing for the last three rounds? Like especially against Toronto in some of those games where they score off turnovers, and that's what lost the. In, in some cases, lost them the games. I'd say the same in, in Winnipeg and the same in Vegas. It's not the entirety of why they lost uh, or why they won, sorry, but I, I think it's a portion of it. And now to see Tampa doing it, it just, 
it verifies the cult, the theory that Tampa can literally just play your own game. So this is how I think Tampa's game plan goes. So what every other team, every 30 other team, 31 when Seattle comes in, this is how it goes against Tampa Bay. You have this piece of paper and this is your plan. Yeah. Tampa crumple it up and they whip it because it's like, we're going to see whatever game you want to play and we're going to beat you at it. Um, I am not counting Montreal out though. Because I can't do that. I refuse to. You must believe. I don't know exactly what the percentage would exactly be in them winning. I imagine it's probably like five, nine, nine percent, maybe at tops. I just pulled that out my butt, by the way. That's pretty generous. (laughs) The nine percent. Nine? Come on. No, I mean, like, not a bad thing. Because, like, these stats, these numbers are whatever, because we never know how the games are going to go. But 21% to beat Vegas or something like that. But, I mean, this is. You just don't want them to win in Montreal. That's the big thing. Don't leave your condo. I'm not. Oh, no, I'm yeah, not. If that, whatever I'm happens, five. don't leave. The moment they lost game three, I'm like, okay, so I can't leave my apartment. I'm not even stepping out the front door into the hallway for at least two days. <laughs> I saw a tweet uh, before, the, before the game where they beat Vegas where it says, uh, you should call in the National Guard, like, Montreal oh might Montreal might win on Jean Baptiste Day, and I'm like, uh, now you call the national card. They're about to lose if they lose in Montreal. I don't think like I just I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, Can you be disappointed in Montreal if they get swept? No. After everything? No. No. Daniel? I'm not. I wouldn't be. Oh, yeah. Daniel. Honestly, like. I wouldn't be mad or anything because, you know, this is what the lightning are in a way. And like, I think one thing when you talk about what is their blueprint, what is their plan to go against these people? And they're just a team where, you know, the stars, you know what they can do. And yet you'll still have those unsung heroes come out of nowhere, not really out of nowhere, but they know their role and they still do something so well. Um, Chris Johnson wrote, wrote recently on Tyler Johnson, where I think, in a way, he kind of represents that mentality of what it means to be on this team. Like, he went from a guy who, when they went to the finals in 2015, he was their second-line center. Yeah. And then he's their fourth-line center this time around, and he just fully accepted that role. And I think that's 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 one thing that, if we're going to talk about what the Lightning have been able to do, just guys just buy into the system. That's how you win. It's really funny when you look at the teams that go far and you're like, man, a buy-in goes a long way in this game. And it's so, you know what? I, when I, I love listening to Hockey Central at noon and you hear Anthony Stewart and sometimes well, he'll be like, yeah, so we were down 4 nothing, and I stopped playing in that game. And then you watch like the playoffs and you can see a 3 4 nothing game and you don't see the guys give up. There's just the stuff like that that they just kind of, um, it reminds you of, of what that term you use there how important the buy-in is. There can be no passengers at this level of the game. There there can't be. Um, I'll be honest. Um, You get to this point as a fan and you're like, they're there, um, but it it looks like they're out. 
Um, and I can sit here and see I'm proud of them because no one thought they were going to go this far. No one did. Yeah. No one. A lot of people didn't have them making the playoffs. A lot of people had them getting swept in the first round. I used okay, so I know I use this a lot, this analogy. But when I was looking at highlights before today's episode, you know what I had to watch right away when they're like, "What are the Canadians going to do now? Can they win four in a row, or can they even just kind of keep playing their game and just try to just go into one game at a time?" Right? Yeah. I had to watch when at when when the morning comes during the Battle of Helm's Deep, where. They're just like, we just, whatever, just, just ride out and yeah, <laughs> just, just do whatever you can at this point. They need that mentality. So l- let me finish the original point here by, by saying I will still, however, if they get swept, be an absolute mountain of piss and vinegar because it is the worst feeling in the world to get swept. And if this happened, I don't think they've been swept in my lifetime. I could be wrong, but at least since I've been a fan, like 2014, they obviously haven't been swept, but um, I don't want to experience that. Don't just get one win. Like, come on, get the Bell Center one win in the cup final. Just do that for me, please. And, you know, I think you have to go one game at a time. How do you gain? How do you think of like, man, imagine if we can get to six at home when you're down three. Like, you have to do it. You do wonder what the what the line changes are going to be because I, I'm sorry, but I remember which goal it was. It was one of the last three when Gustafson just throws it down the middle of the ice and it leads to a Tampa goal. You're like, okay, you know what else is kind of frustrating is if you're in Montreal going to a game three when you can make no mistakes, and you've gotten the last minute goal that Phil Deneau got to get within one, and you're like, okay, the building is still going here. Um, and you allow three straight odd man rushes to start the second. And the nerve of some people to say, do you know who's to, who's to blame for this? How do you blame a goalie for a two-on-o? How do you expect the goalie to take away the pass on a two-on-o? How does that... You remember a couple of years ago when the Canucks led in that three-on-o in overtime? Oh, yeah. Imagine yes. if you blamed Jacob Markstrom for allowing a goal there. There are probably people that did do that <laughs> it's just uh just yeah i don't get it i don't like, get it i mean i thought it was fit i thought it was fairly obvious what what like the issue was and it was not gary price no defense um it it was like in the first two games you had two goals like and the issue is gary price like we looked at remember we looked at his uh his stats and his like goals against was like just under two. Like you just need to score two goals on an average night and Carey price will probably have your back. And it's like, you can't do that. It's like, ah, that's where it gets tough. And it's not easy to score. I'm not saying it's easy to score, but to, to blame it on Carey price doesn't make sense to me. That's the thing where I kind of felt with Montreal, they got the three goals. You know, they, they could have been a bit earlier, but it's just like, that's the thing. You got to fix the other part too. Like that, the six goal part about it, where I know that in the other games, that's, that's, that was a, still an issue, but at the same time, it's just, if you, if it's like, if I'm going to look at the positives, you have something to at least build on from game three in terms of offense. It's just, you can't collapse the other way around. This was a, 
Will Will Baldwin sent me this, and I was a little concerned about that. Um, this is from Arvin Basu, who was watching practice, obviously, through the Habs today. A lot of time devoted to the power play this morning, going on half an hour and counting right now, working on 5v4 and 5v3 and even 4 on 3 after the fiasco in game two. This is usually long for power play work, and Dom Ducharme has left the ice, carry price follows, and practice appears to be essentially over. The Canadians did nothing but power play work. Those not on the power play spent the whole time standing around shooting on the net. Is it possible that like a coach making it to the cup final and everyone had faith on him again could lose it after this? I just, I'm, I'm kind of worried about, because so the big change was Gustafson was off PP1. They moved Petrie back up. I think one of the units also practicing at some point had Caulfield and Weber together. Obviously Caulfield on the OB spot and Weber was working the point. And that included none of Alexander Romanov. Like, how do you, I think a big issue after game three was coming, sorry, after game two was going into game three and having the exact same lineup. Um, you talk about adjustments. I'm starting to get worried. Oh, I'm starting to get worried. Being down 0-3, you get worried. But um, I, I, I don't know. I think douche, people are going to be calling for Dom Ducharme's head already, and they, he just got confidence. It, it seems like the worry was on hiatus for those for three rounds, and now it's kind of creeping back. I, listen, I don't know what's going to happen with Dom Ducharme. Um, He'll keep his job. Who? Yeah, like. It, it seems like both Bergevin and Ducharme will be keeping their job at the moment. Um, but this is this that is beyond strange to me, uh, what you said from Arpin Vasu. Yeah, that's um, that's very strange. That's very, very strange. If I'm going to be, um, you know, optimistic right now, I'm looking right now and there's been there's been four incidents since 1942 that a team has come back from three, nothing in the playoffs. Yeah. And the Leafs did it right. Leafs. Yeah. They were the last, they were the only team to do it. They came back in 1942 against the Red Wings to win the Stanley cup. Nice. Yeah. And then 1975, the Islanders against the Penguins in the quarterfinal series. Okay. 2010, the Flyers beat the Bruins in the quarterfinals. And then 2014, the Kings beat the Sharks in the first round. So, and of the teams who came back, of the teams, that's a fifty percent win rate of the Cup, right? Because obviously, I think in '75 the Islanders would lose. I'm pretty yeah. sure that was the Montreal dynasty. Obviously, um, in 2010, Chicago Blackhawks, won, yeah. and then obviously the Kings won in 2014. Yeah. Huh, well, you know, wouldn't that be really funny? By the way, 2014. Some sort of memory there. Uh, this is going to be rough. This is going to be rough. Um, but you know what? At the end of the day, um, this is actually kind of if the if the Habs do end up losing here, it's not all gloom and doom in the face of beside the thing of being happy your team got there. We'll do a more post mortem, but just one quick thing I'm going to say, and then we can move on. Here is <laughs> I um, thought you had hope here. You're, I know. I, I, that's, why I, I do. that's why I brought up the yeah. stat. Or like, I, I do. Oh, I do. Yeah? Okay. But, it got a little gloom and doomy there for a second. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a difficult. It's difficult. Um, it's hot out here. You know, I just got back from McDonald's where like 15 kids are just standing by the door. Cool. 
when the limit's like 34 of people inside and half the and whatever. It was a bad like, anyway. They all wanted the gras Big Mac. The grand Big Mac. Half of them weren't even ordering. It's like <laughs> get out the restaurant, you goofs. Anyway, they got the dollar drinks. The thing <laughs> is, like, yeah, I think most of them did. And yeah. they're like early high school, and you're like, man, I remember being that terrible of a person. I remember only having like a. The, anyway, like you only get the value picks and the dollar drink. Yeah, it's 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 junior chickens and dollar drinks where with the high school life at at McDonald's. Anyway, um, this could be Carey Price and Shea Weber's best chance to ever win. But if there's one thing that I think Habs fans and the rest of the league can't deny is for the next 15 years, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are going to terrorize this league. And that's one thing that will always put a smile on my face because that guy is, uh, it's going to be fun. It's not, be really he didn't have the other guy though. KK? KK? Yeah. Because I'm not a hundred, I don't know what it is with KK. I obviously love KK. I think he'll be a great player, but it's just, um, that's the guy who I wouldn't be surprised ends up being a late bloomer. But mm-hmm. obviously he's been around forever, like 18, right? So yeah. not right now. He's like 21, but you know what I mean, right? I, it is a prediction. He's going to pull a Sean Couturier where he played right away. And mm-hmm. then suddenly, like when he's 25, 26, it just, he goes off. You see it. He's just, again, it, the classic example of the guy who puts it all together. But I think he will. He's a good player. Um, and the other other young players are coming through and that you're excited for. But, you know, it's it's um, it's not all doom and gloom even after this. Um, okay. We can look around the league for some stuff here. It's kind of open field, so I think we might as well start. We did have stuff. We can talk about a little bit of the Leafs stuff here because apparently the Leafs have reached out to the Frederick Anderson camp about potential interest in coming back. So I will ask Alex first and foremost, if I hopefully you didn't hear me drop my pencil on the mic there, is Frederick Anderson going to come back? Uh, if he is going to come back, I don't think he's going to come back, uh, is my opinion. I think there are teams out there who are in need of a goalie and Frederick, uh, looking at Frederick Anderson is a weird because I think this year it, it, it didn't go well because he played injured and it really backfired on him. Um, like he even said it himself that he, he thinks he played too play too long. Like he should have should been shut down earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's going to come back. Cause I think there's teams again, who are in need of a goaltender, AKA the Edmonton Oilers uh, who I, I would imagine would be very content with Frederick Anderson. Cause he is uh, better than the options they currently have, especially Miko Koskinen. I just I think if he wants the term, go. You know what I mean? Like I don't think yeah. the, the the Leafs can sacrifice do do that. Uh if it's a one year deal and it's at the right price, like we have to remember if Hyman's gone, there's an extra spot that the team now has to fill. And they have uh where is it? They have ten point eight million dollars in cap space. So if he's going to come back on, I don't know what the number would be, but it, it's not $5 million, which no. is what he was making. It's going to be less than that. Like, I think it's a comparable situation in a way to Taylor Hall signing in Buffalo, where he took the one-year deal. Yes, he got money. That's where it, it kind of gets gets weird, but it would be in a redemption deal for him. If 
he's not going to get the same type of deal he would have gotten if there was no pandemic. Number one, because of the injury. Number two, because of the flat cap. But it's just, it's hard for me to imagine him being here if he knows that there's more money and more term out there. Daniel, would you agree on the fact that basically Frederick Anderson almost has to sign a short-term deal for the fact of exactly to kind of Alex's point here, he has to prove himself again because, because obviously this year was a, a dumpster fire, unfortunately for the guy, yeah. the great Dane, we call him. I love the guy. You know, I've, I've talked about him so many times that he's, he's always been one of my favorite guys, but I agree that it's going to be a show me deal. It's going to be a comparable of, it's going to be a one year and he's going to try to go somewhere and establish to show the, Show you know, show the league that he still can be a number one guy, and realistically, like I, I could, I could see him not. I could see him going to the Oilers, but I could also see him going somewhere where they're gonna feel that okay, let's see if he could do something. Like I'd even put Carolina out there. I know they have Alex and Elkovich, but it's a young guy. Um, maybe they'll do the, the the tandem type of thing. See where that goes because it wasn't really good in the playoffs for what they had and. I, yeah, I agree. He's not coming back to Toronto. I think not even for the money aspect of it. But I think like the mental aspect of it, of just what what what's transpired, what's been there. And the unfortunate thing is like when you're going to talk to a lot of people, especially, not, you know, not us here, but you're going to you're going to see what people are going to say on social media and everything is that people are going to have short term memory of a Frederick Anderson, I think, in the city, which is unfortunate because we have to remember 2016, 2017, all those times where he came in and he played like crazy and he really kept the team in there when it came to the, to making the playoffs, to being their guy. And it's just when the one injury happens or, you know, Jack Campbell just, you know, caught on fire that suddenly it's just, oh, he's not a starter anymore. You make a really good point about the short-term memory thing there because it almost feels like by the time they really needed Freddie Anderson, when that team really took this first big step forward, he was burnt out. Because yeah. uh, without Freddie Anderson, um, he was, I, I would argue, and I think Alex and I had this discussion actually um, in the first summer of the podcast, that stretch, uh, I thought Freddie Anderson was top five in the league. Yeah. They're not like, honestly, I think we had like Ben Bishop up there. I remember that was a, that we thought Bennington was probably up there. That was a fun episode. Remember we, I remember we had a heated debate about the top 20 centers in Patrice Bergeron too. Uh, wild times. What about this? Cause mm-hmm. I was going to quickly jump on calf friendly and think of some teams that need goalies. And I did not mean to do this team as a troll, but I thought you know, there was a team that kind of needs a goalie because they don't have a, a, a defined starter for at least the first half of the season. Oh, no. And if things go wrong, maybe they could sell them at the deadline if they're out of it, because this is a smart and cutthroat team. And Tuka Rass, we don't know when that team is the Boston Bruins. Yes. I mean, if it doesn't make sense, tell me. They're legit. I didn't mean to bring them up like that. They were just the first team I thought of. Imagine they get both him and Hyman. Stop. No, listen... Alec, I mean, Daniel, 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 Daniel. <laughs> if anyone's going to overpay for reliefs, it's going to be Edmonton. Then again, they are going to over, they're going to pick up Duncan Keith and who knows uh, oh, going to look after God. that. But yeah. Um, I mean, I see it. I think it's, 
I think it's a really good scenario considering if he wants to prove himself, you have a few months to prove, prove yourself as a legitimate number one starter um, in Boston. And I think if he can do that, then yeah, sure. If you want to trade him at the deadline or because if Rask is, is coming back, you're obviously not keeping both of them. Like that's, Oh, that will be cost you some money. Um, but that, that would be the way to redeem himself. I think it'd be a better situation in Boston than it would be in Toronto, to be honest. Um, let's list some other teams. Uh, maybe Colorado, depending on what happens with Grubauer. Um, mm, they're kind of – the Rangers know you like to – Gorgiev, they're kind of set there. Nashville's got sorrow, so you'd imagine they're going to run with him. Anaheim, obviously not. Nah, I don't see it with Winnipeg. I mean, there's, yeah, like Edmonton makes sense. Uh, LA, why would they do that? Dallas um, have their guys. Calgary can't afford to pay another goalie. I have an idea now that I'm looking. It, it uh, could work. Um, who's that? The Seattle Kraken. Mm-hmm. And they do have, my understanding of what I read is that they do have permission to spend to the cap. Really? I will go double check that, but yeah, because didn't Tom Lai like Tom Lai Wiki do a Q and A earlier with the Athletic? I believe so. Let me just. Mm, 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 mm. What's really funny about you? Like, I love this point of the year going on cat friendly. You see popular buyouts. Would you guys listen? Popular buyouts: Louis Erickson, Zach Parise, Jake Vertanen, Anthony um, D'Angelo, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Just okay. Said. Miko Koskinen, Duncan Keith, and the real deal, James Neal. What be known? That's been a big thing. Um, just gonna, in terms of the buyouts, um, I just I just know this from the hockey writers. A big thing right now is just um, no one mentions Jake for ten anything. It's like it's I don't just, think anyone wants yeah. a libel suit. It's been quiet. Yeah, um, I have found the article. It is Q and A. It's Ryan Clark of the Athletic. Excellent writer. Interesting. So. Like like our own Daniel Santone, everyone should go read his hockey writer stuff seven times each, exactly. every article. They should do it. Okay. Um. What's really funny is I believe the first buyout window. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. I believe the first buyout window is the day after the finals end. So I am confident that this series is going to go the way because it has to. But if the worst possible nightmare scenario, doom and gloom happens. A lot of this stuff's going to kick out starting Tuesday if the worst happens and the bad guys win, which no one should want that to happen, obviously. But, man, stuff's going to pick up, guys. You know, it's been it's been quiet on Dougie Hamilton's front, but I think that makes sense. It was being reported that may have taken a little while. Um, but you know what? Even if we're waiting for trades, extensions happen all the time, including the man, the myth, the legend of the Minnesota Wild. They have three big names to sign this offseason. And they've signed one of them. It is Joel Erickson Eck. It is an eight-year deal. It is a $5.25 million cap hit. This, from what I understand, Daniel, upon reading some stuff, as well as Twitter and reaching out to you, this is a good deal for a very good two-way forward. And a great comparable for him was Nugent Hopkins, like, banned before. Yeah. 
also he's younger he's only 24 yep. so this is an excellent deal he's gonna be 32 when it ends and oh, that oh that's great that's honestly great in concept. in terms of what he's been able to do already in the last two seasons what he's becoming what have a, a lot of the underlying numbers they've mentioned with him he is gonna have every opportunity he has to be their first line center to be their guy moving forward and that's excellent i know bill Guerin, where he said in the article he's like his third his third game he's like i knew for sure that this is the guy that we have to have if we want to go back to winning again that he's someone that anchors this team that he he has he he has that identity i think of what the wild always go for like that 200 foot type of player and who can play on yeah can play on both sides of things and you know it's just one less problem for the wild to kind of think about and to get this guy for a comparable like that, I think it's going to bode well for Kaprizov, for Kevin Fiala. In what way? That I think that they're selling that team first mentality kind of thing where these guys are restricted free and saying that, listen, this is what we're trying to build here. This is what we can do. And are you, are you buying into this? Right. You think the going, so, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 go, go, go. I'm I was just going to say numbers. like how much, like, because this is, isn't necessarily the route, because this is his, he's coming off his entry level? No. Yeah. Or bridge? I think it's entry level. Okay. Well, like, you don't always see them go for a full eight years. Like, was that surprising Rare. at all? Um, Not really, in a way, because I think he, he is kind of that anchor guy. And I, 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 I think I was wrong with this. I think this was his second one, right? He took a bridge. Yeah, they're okay. He had a four year ELC. I'm looking at here, and he had a two year $1.4 million. You love when your mic changes and disconnects in the middle of you talking, by the way. Um, yeah, no, there was a bridge deal though. Okay, yeah, I don't know. It just, I, I like, I like, I like that they like for first time in a while, I'll say I like the eight years (laughs) that they could keep this guy there, and he, he is what he plays to be, he's a stabilizing force because with the way the wild what they're coming up with and who they're going to have moving forward like you know marco rossi is still going to factor into this somehow that i i like that he has first line potential but i like that they could still put him in the top nine somewhere so if russo was to be correct i'm gonna get it right it's not michael russo Mm -hmm. yes got it if he is to be correct and the word is they want to make Kaprizov the richest play, uh, the richest paid while in history, right? Yeah. Okay. So the max they can obviously go is eight years. And if they're locking up Eck that long, they probably want to, if they're locking up planning one line center, they obviously want to then get their number one winger. So uh, I remember thinking about, okay, is, the, is it going to be a Tarasenko-like deal? 7.5. And now I'm realizing that's the AAV that Parisian suitor had, which means... It has to be higher than that. And am I crazy in thinking it's made like, are the wild trying to get this in double in not obviously it's, it's million, but like double digit millions. Is that the number? Like obviously buddy wants Caprice wants a shorter term deal. Yeah. I'm trying to think like the deal that they are trying to present to him. It has to be at least nine, right? Like 9 yeah. million per year. 
yeah, they have to. They want to incentivize them. They they kind of, you know, it's been six years of pain. In a way. Mediocrity. Um, Come on, you're not Buffalo bad. No, no, I mean in terms of negotiations of bringing the guy oh, yeah. in, like you know, they wait, they wait, they he outlasted three GMs. <laughs> that they just wanted, like, kind of get some security for all their efforts. I think. Yeah, that, wasn't the big thing is they they finally he was Garrett was the guy who got him. Yeah, and. Listen, they they have they have a lot of cap problems. They're gonna have to figure out because yeah. honestly, unless Benino and Cole take like a million dollars a year, I don't think they're coming back. And you know, Marcus Felino, I know what he could do, but you know, he's still getting almost four million a year. And there's just so many parts of this team where, all right, if you're gonna move forward and you're gonna sign your young guys long term, then what about these other anchors? Because like they still, you know, Matt Zuccarello had a resurgence, but he, you know, he's 33. Yeah. And I, I don't know how long that they're going to have to go with that. And like, that's another part they have to replace. And then you have these other guys coming up. That's like, all right, listen, like what is a Cam Talbot at 36 going to look like for you? Even though it's his last year. Um, that's a good question. No, he, he is two years, two years because remember cap friendly's rolled over. Oh, okay. I know. I just got trapped in it. I was about to say, well, at least um, Victor Ratz has one more year. And you're like, no, that is a, that is, all right, I thought I was going to say he's going to be UFA. No, he's not. Because cat friendly rolled over and it's really annoying. Um, really great site though. You actually love them. They're great. Um, selfish question I'm going to ask myself in the audience here. What does this do to the Phil to know contract negotiations? I wonder. Um, God, please don't be like $6 million, please. All right. Um, other stuff that's been going on. The Coyotes have made their head coach official. It's Andre Turgnier. Turgnier on the yes. Turgnier. Turgnier, yeah. Yeah. Um, says the man in Quebec saying it wrong. I'm sorry. Cheap, young in the, I don't know if you see that super young, but um, a, a young coach in the terms of he's been world junior esque. He's been around hockey Canada and that, but um, it's going to be a difficult situation for him nonetheless. Um, and as long as he can help their younger guys or just to help them keep their head above the water in Arizona. And I don't want to be negative because I was really negative about the, um, the Granado stuff in Buffalo last episode. But I mean, hey, Arizona, I guess you got your guy. Kind of. Even though it's not Mike Van Ryn, But I have one example that I wanted to bring up, Andre Tournier, where I'm like, he knows how to deal with obstacles. And we always talk about those things where teams – or coaches or players have to go through certain mountains to get to the next pl- to the, get to like the successful place. And I remember Andre Tournier was an assistant coach when Patrick Wall was the head coach of the Avalanche, and they had like one of the worst seasons ever. When I was looking back on his coaching uh, record, he was an assistant coach for quite a few teams in the NHL before he decided to go back to the queue. And Come on, I'm wrong, aren't I? I guess, yeah, bring that, like, if there's any guy that um, could deal with, you know, things in and outside of hockey, then maybe he's their guy. Maybe the Coyotes finally made that pick. They're like, he knows what he can do. He he has the tough skin for it. Uh, he was assistant coach for Colorado from 2013 to 15 and then spent a year with the Ottawa Senators as an assistant coach before going to coach the Halifax Mooseheads. I'm trying to find where exactly the Sens finished that. Obviously, assistant coaches are kind of mad, whatever. But um, 
Where did they make? They were fifth in the Atlantic that year. Okay. Uh, just on the signing, um, I've seen like I've seen good and bad. I, I've seen people saying like you know, I guess giving a guy who has never been an NHL head coach before an opportunity is isn't something we always see uh, in the NHL. Usually it's just recycling old coaches. Uh, But then there's the other side where they say experience. And I'm like, okay, I I, I get that view and that uh, for a team as, I'll call them as fragile as the Arizona Coyotes. And it seems like they are going to make moves this summer. OEL, Connor Garland, I think Friedman even mentioned Phil Kessel. Yeah. I, I does the experience, the experience is important, but in this case, I don't know if that's what they were looking for in this coaching hire. The coyotes. Yeah. I don't want to get excited about the off season guys. Cause every year I am, but they just continue to disappoint. Remember last year, everyone was like, man, the flat cap, it's, it's going to be the Wild West, and I don't think we had a trade in the first round at all. Or it was something very minor that's oh, giving yeah. my memory. Oh, I, uh, Calgary uh, traded down twice. Like twice, yeah. Because the Washington Capitals wanted Hendricks LaPierre that much. Well, I... I he was falling because he was hurt. Okay, whatever. That was a weird draft. It was it, so long, so so long. I remember. I, I said Jimmy Hendrix Lapierre on the live. I remember. Yes, that yes, yeah. you did. Yes. Um, okay. Looking at some other news around the league, Victor Arvidsson. This kind of came out of nowhere. Elliot Friedman, and then later in the day, Pierre LeBron would add on it. Victor Arvidsson is now a member of the LA Kings. They get the forward they've been looking for. A speed demon, he can score. Um, I don't think his cap is is terrible. He's been kind of down production-wise in Nashville. Then again, unless your name is Philip Forsberg, every forward on that team is disappointing. Um, But this is a move I really like for the Kings. And at the same time, I can't really make fun of the Predators for this because it felt like a necessary evil for expansion. Yeah, I I guess that's like we did the expansion stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. and in our case, I guess we didn't protect either Duchene or Ryan Johansson. Yeah. We did so not. No, we did not. Right. So maybe like that's the only thing which taking out two eight million dollar players should really open up who you can protect. But maybe they are protecting both of them or one of them. Well, I guess we'll find out eventually or soon. But like other than that, I don't know. From Nashville side of it, that has to be the only explanation that makes sense because I honestly can't think of any other reason. But for from LA's point of view, I also really like this deal just because when you're building in in the case that they're in, where I believe it's Rob Blake who's general manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he wasn't really prepared to spend assets for the Kings to push because they were having at the beginning of the year, quite a good season. Like we saw Dustin Brown have a resurgence and, and a couple other guys, he wasn't prepared to break the bank and add a guy. And I think now you're not, but you spent a second and a third round pick, which was yours, but you still have, they have a lot, they have plenty. Um, They're, they're fine. 
to add a guy like Victor Arvinson, who maybe isn't the prime Victor Arvinson anymore, but he is still a good player who has been on playoff runs and you are now adding him to your leadership group of Anze Kopitar, Dustin Brown, Drew Doughty, especially when a lot of the guys you are putting in that lineup are young. I think he's a definition of a redemption guy. You know, he dropped in the draft as an overager because he was five foot eight and he just became a good, well-rounded guy. And what I kind of see with this is he, he needed this. He, a lot of the reports were on how cautious he kind of became with the Predators after his huge injury, that he wasn't crashing the net anymore, that he was trying to like kind of rediscover his game more as like a skilled guy. And I think going to the Kings now that he, he kind of gets out of a Nashville team that they don't really know what they're doing right now. And they're still kind of just treading to a Kings team that, you know, they're trying to build something. They're trying to get the most out of all the guys that are there. And I think, there, there is some evidence that he could risk discover like not maybe not the 34 goal pace, but something similar to it. Was he the one who was injured when Robert Bertuzzo cheap shotted him? Yeah. That, that was the one that was cited that like right. that, that really changed everything for him. By the way, um, a thing on that's the second rounder is this season. Next year is the third rounder uh, picks in this year's draft are just hocus pocus. So I, I also really like just do whatever. Unless it's you're so, Buffalo. Yeah, unless you're Buffalo. Um, <laughs> Owen Power, he's not coming. Something also a little interesting about this is um, it's another example of the Kings sort of stepping away from their old identity. Big, tough guy. And so they got small, speedy guy. And when in the world are we going to stop counting out small players? God, just come on now. <laughs> yeah. You know, Daniel, I think maybe this can be a sign of Nashville. Maybe they are doing the rebuild here. Um, you'd hope so. You still don't imagine, like, uh, you got to be a real a team that's really confident in your expansion plans if you're going to make a move for an Ekholm or someone like that now. I still think like, that's going to happen. You can still see that as a draft move, but I think maybe this could be Nashville finally saying, all right, we got a bit of playoff revenue. We did it. Let's fix this team now or try to. I don't know, but... The- does that mean uh, they're going to trade Philip Forsberg because uh, he does not seem happy about no. this trade? No, he what did he just posted a big emoji of a thumbs down. Yeah, listen, it's like the uh, Jonathan Tapes. Like I didn't know we were rebuilding. There's okay, okay. Listen, <laughs> no, we had that discussion. Yeah, like that listen. Was- there's two sides of this. One is it's a business. The second, right. which I can understand, they're friends. They've been through yeah. a lot together. They obviously they had that 2017 run together. Um, but you know, I get it. Like, let's not crap on a player for just posting something. It's not like it, he was saying death to David Boyle. He was simply voicing his opinion on his friend getting canned. And you know, again, it's it's a human thing. It was honestly as long as they commit to an, a direction in Nashville, it's a good move. I think normally, like maybe, like again, it's a fine deal. That's what it is. It's a fine yeah. deal. Um, nothing it, more, nothing less. If they don't commit, they're going to end up like Minnesota. You know, exactly. And they're going to struggle to have Yaroslav Askarov for six years to come to the, right. the organization. Again, that's why it's the perfect time to rebuild because you, you, you don't rush the young goaltenders. It doesn't work anymore. It never has. Don't rush goaltenders. Look at Vasilevsky. I, when I saw that clip of him coming in for Bishop in the 2015 finals, I was like, oh, 
oh yeah. And then you look at him now and it's like, ah, he should probably be a two-time Vesna winner right now. Or K Price. What do you mean? Probably. Yeah, um, they was... let him play in the real juniors again, like two years after his draft year. And then when he came in, it was still Christabel Huey for most of the year. Yeah, exactly. And then Carter Hart, you would hope maybe they get him a better support system. I mean, the goaltenders are weird, man. They're very, very strange. You can never really – well, very rarely are they uh, studs from that young age. Very, very rarely. Okay, final piece of news we're going to talk about here. It's, it's not even news. It's more of an update. This is from Pierre Lebrun's stuff in The Athletic. Nothing when he just dumps his notebook of rumors. <laughs> Seth Jones, we have some more – or I guess these are the current teams that are interested. Colorado, which is odd. But apparently they are again planning on going all in for next year. I love it so much. As long as Nathan McKinnon is on this deal, you do everything you can. As long as you resign Cam McCarr first off. Um, Philly, which, yeah, I think we've all kind of been pointing that. And, oh, here comes Mike celebrating. About, oh, I knew it because Philly. <laughs> Wait, he's a Philly fan now? Sorry, I keep, I, oh, I keep no. losing track of uh, which team he likes. God, it's either Rip, just favoring a new team or team killing it. playing Halo uh, 1 with that guy. I yeah, he's it. difficult. And Chicago. Because Chicago. Um, and apparently LeBron also said Columbus would prefer to send him west, which, yeah, I get it. So first off, yeah, we don't need to talk about Philly. That's whatever. Colorado are odd to me. Does this Is this a sign of, like, they're pretty sure that they're not going to be – I don't know. Is it a sign that Johnson's not going to wave his claws and they're going to lose a defenseman in the expansion draft? Because I, 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 I can't believe that Seth Jones went from a Norris trophy to a, a, a dud in a year. I refuse to believe it. Me too. Uh, I just pulled up their daily face-off, Colorado. Sorry. Just I want to read you their, what their supposed lineup would be with Seth Jones. Okay. Uh, so it's Devontae's and Kale McCarr. Gross. Ryan Graves and Samuel Girard. Gross. Right now it is Patrick Namath and Connor Timmons. So let's just assume Boehm Byram is not part of that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would be Boehm Byram and Seth Jones. Like we looked at Tampa's D and said, wow, Eric Cernak or, oh. or David Savard as your third line, uh, third pairing defenseman. Having Seth Jones as like your second or third pairing guy is just as ridiculous, if not more. By the way, um, Eric Johnson. Whatever he's up to, like because uh, no, no right. offense, and I know you were a fan of him, Daniel. Patrick Nemeth, not great, not it's, great. Uh, there were there were some games versus Vegas where like, oh, I I forgot to, but I wanted to text you. Did I think there was a giveaway he had, and I think it was game it was one of the games in Vegas where he just it was a complete pizza. It was it was amazing. It led to a Vegas goal. I remember thinking, Patrick Nemeth, yes, Patrick I, Nemeth, the guy in my my trade deadline bait list. Yes. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Johnson is part of a Seth Jones trade. Like Columbus just takes the money to get another asset. Yeah, but he has yeah. to waive. Is he, is he yeah. want, gonna want? Oh, to he has to waive it. Yeah, he's got the clause. Man, that's a big that was a. Uh, yeah, that's they signed him at a time when Colorado was pretty bare in terms of the defenseman. <laughs> It was going to be yeah. him and it was, what was it? It was him, Barry, and. Yeah, him, Barry, uh, and... Let me check. 
Yeah, check. Um, yeah, man, like, yeah, they're gonna. I think maybe yours is a little more realistic in terms of they're probably anticipating they're losing somebody, unless they go that route that we did, which was four and four, which is possible. But it's just yeah. you're gonna lose Andre Burakovsky, you're gonna lose not like uh, Nazim Kadri or whoever, which. Uh, like, I just don't think that's possible. I think losing a defenseman and then saying, okay, we're going to replace that defenseman with Seth Jones and we'll give up assets because we have them. So it's pretty rough when you look back on when this extension kicked in, so 2015. And yeah, like it was when Patrick Wallace was the coach and their <laughs> other defensemen were, you were right, Tyson Berry, 53 yeah. points in 80 games. Yeah, that was yeah. That's Tyson Berry. Yeah. Um, it was Nick Holden, Jan Hada, mm. mm. Brad Stewart, and I'm gonna say his name wrong, but Nate Goonin. Nate Goonin. <laughs> um, and uh, that's all, folks. Uh, you know about that. So our, 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 so did Chicago just look at Nikita Zadorov and not saw what everyone else saw and decided, oh, so what we actually want is Seth Jones? And what are they going to give up to get him? I, yeah, I don't know. They're probably, yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like, maybe one of the defensive prospects and, like, their first and then, like, someone else. Anybody but Adam Bodkvist, like. Yeah, it'd be, like, a Nikolai Baudin or, like, an Alex Vlasic or – um Ian Mitchell. Like here's the difference between the Colorado situation and Chicago situation before we get to Chicago. It is extremely assumed that if he gets traded to Colorado, he is there for one year and one year only. Mm-hmm. I don't think that should be the mentality of the Chicago Blackhawks and I don't think you make that trade unless you know you can sign that extension. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> imagine saying, "Yeah, we will take Seth Jones for a year." What good does that do? Even if they get Taves back next year, I mean, are you st- no? They still don't have. I, I don't know. Yeah, like if you're gonna, if you can get the extension, it makes sense because they need defensemen. Right. But if you're on a proper path here, the smart thing to do would be you freaking stand fast and develop your defensemen because you're going to have to give, as we're going to talk about, you're going to have to give up one of those young guys to get Jones. If you're Columbus, you want a defenseman back. You know what? I If I'm Chicago, and this is just my opinion, if I'm going after a defenseman, and my understanding is like almost every team called Dougie Hamilton's agent, I would be more interested in going after Dougie Hamilton because you don't have to give up any asset. Like you, all you're giving up is cap space. That's it. And he's, you know, Dougie freaking Hamilton. Even if Seth Jones is normal, Seth Jones, Dougie Hamilton is still better defensively. Especially. Yes. Yes. He actually oh, gets the, uh, the consistent too. Norris uh, nomination. Offensive, offensive too. Like, uh, yeah. Like just, just better overall. What do they say about Dougie that he's the best one-timing defenseman in the league? Like, I don't think he's ever dropped below 10 goals or something. He's wicked. Well, depending on who you ask, he might just be a one-dimensional defenseman. I Come on. Okay, first off, that's most defensemen nowadays. Right. You know how rare an actual defenseman who can skate is nowadays? Who would you rather have, Tyson Berry or Dougie Hamilton? This is the discussion. Yeah, this was the discussion on Twitter. 
Really? Yeah, I, a couple weeks ago. Was was what was this like six years ago? Two recently, maybe three weeks ago <laughs> at max. I don't get oh it. Oh my man. goodness! I don't get it. There's just a referendum on this guy. I just it, it makes zero sense. He's a good defenseman. On who? Both of them? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> I think well, Dougie is. The advance, it's it's very strange. It is the, I think every hockey man technically loves Dougie. I mean, loves Seth Jones. But the analytics are clearly saying that they don't like what Seth Jones did this year. And Dougie is clearly the best all around. But the hockey men hate Dougie Hamilton for some reason, besides the museum stuff, which was completely stupid. That's what it is, is, is Dougie Hamilton is the perfect analytics debate, even though, even if your eye test, He's freaking gross. I yeah. do. It's so weird to me. That's why I'm really worried that there aren't going to be enough teams that really value that guy. And then he gets screwed on his deal. Like I really like, and I don't know, maybe that's what Carolina are betting on. People have been talking about, maybe it's a strategic thing. I just, I don't want to see a player that is, is it's rare that we've seen in back-to-back years. It looks like two such premium defensemen are hitting the market. Like first Petranzo and now Dougie. I just, I want Dougie to get the deal. I'm happy for Dougie. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see what happens. Like it, it will be. He's gonna get paid. It's just a matter of how much he's gonna get paid. I think is mm-hmm. the is is the question because I think I know there's that that referendum about Dougie because the museum stuff and whatever, which is stupid, by the way. Um, it's he is. You have to acknowledge that he is a great defenseman and probably one of the best that in the league at the moment mm-hmm. like you have to do that at bare minimum and to hear that every team has called is an extremely positive sign in my eyes like there's gonna be a deal out there for him uh if he wants to take it then man take it sign and trade carolina take back joel edmondson and dougie hamilton comes to montreal i i didn't want to bring it up earlier but that I don't know if it was game two or game three, but it was game w- two. Was it the one we were watching? That was the word. Um, actually, was I it? So. I think so. Yeah. Didn't we watch game? Okay. Anyway, yeah. Everyone knows the Joel Edmondson giveaway was the worst thing I have ever seen in my life. Like the worst thing that's ever happened. Yeah, that was Cody Cece esque. <laughs> that was bad. It's the cup. What's such a shame is if you're somebody who just kind of saw his numbers before the start of the year, you're like, oh, Joel Edmondson. He's been so good all year, though. Like, he's been steady, Eddie. He was great. Like, plus my obviously, plus mine is kind of garbage, but he was doing everything he needed to with Jeff Petrie. But on that play, I mean, Petrie wasn't expecting the pass. I don't know what he was doing. I, I It was so strange. So strange. But, I mean, again, mistakes, man. And mistakes happens. It, yeah, it's just the worst possible time. Right. But hey, Montreal are in a great spot. They exactly. have the best goal scoring prospect in the league. Um, and amazing playmaking two way defense. Oh, uh, we, um, Adam, oh, your, your mic, mic cut out. No, just keep going. Finish the episode. Now we still yeah, can't, hear now I can't hear you. Okay. Hello? Yeah, there we Hello, go. Hi. We can hear you. We can hear you. I just unplugged it. It's That's I'm not okay. fixing it. Um it, yeah. It, yeah. 
By the way, Sean Farrell's a prospect. Just broke the USHL scoring stuff and all that. They got prospects coming. So laugh at Montreal all you want, but you wish you were here, other fan bases. Suck it. Cup final. Wish you were here. No, I don't. Because we are. Vegas, get some centermen. It's fine. Maybe we'll get still believe. Defense. We still yeah. like that's what that's that's remember, game one game at a time. We just believe. You know what's really funny? Mm-hmm. Hey there, we're the Jets. What did we really need all year? Defensemen. What did Kevin Chevel Day off do? Jordy Ben. <laughs> Vegas. That, that, we need centermen because it's I Chandler mean, Stevenson. What do we do? Matias Yanmark. To be because fair, they bet on be, Cody Glass. To be fair to Kevin Sheffield Day off. There the who were the defensemen that were moved? Like David Savard? Which, Everyone. Oh, that was no, no, but you <laughs> oh I did I just swear. I think I swore. Uh, Tampa, no, you but, sons of bitches. Yeah, you got David Savard, which you weren't gonna like that was we knew Tampa was gonna get him. It seemed like apparently everyone knew. Um yeah. and there was like Ben Hutton and Jordy Ben. Oh, Mike and Riley. To, Mike Riley. Yeah. He w- from what the, uh, Friedman was reporting, he was in on Ekholm. He was in on Alexiak. And then he's like, yeah, you know, we're, uh, we really want to play Vili Hinola. And then he and, played two games. And then Paul Maurice <laughs> didn't play him. It's like, man, so, like he did you know. look – the year after he was drafted, he played a few games. And he didn't look horrible. And then they sent him back to the – SHL, which I thought was the right decision. And it's like, okay, give the guy the chance here. Like, don't, if he's sitting on the bench that or in the press room, press box, sorry, that makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, hey, remember, um, you know, remember how like Justin Hall like didn't play and it was like, yeah, oh, he sucks. And now he's a top four defenseman. Yes, I remember. Yeah. Crazy how that is in the world, Cle- eh? Clear in my mind. Clear in my mind. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's everything. By the way, to Tampa, it's really funny that Tampa are, are it, it's a necessity they're going to drop off. Like, I, I, I think it's a, it is impossible they keep Blake Coleman. It, it, it can't happen. Um, otherwise, or it's like they lose Tyler Johnson, which I think they'll be fine to trade him away. Barclay Goudreau. But then, like, their depth is going to take a hit, which, I mean, great. But at the same time, they're still going to be wicked good. They still have, like, yeah, Matthew Joseph – um all right, all right. Let's we don't need to Mitchell Stevens. We don't need to. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, Calfoot and you know freaking who who's there? Is Matt still there? Yeah, he's the backup uh, he's, goalie. Yeah, he's a UFA though. Because I saw a lineup and it was they had their backup. It wasn't like it Lackanady. Lack McElaney. It was like this Carter guy. I'm like, who? Uh Carter. yeah. Carter Verhage, no. Legend that that is that Spencer is Spencer Martin. Spencer yes. Martin. Oh yeah, is that I remember the old NHL games. The guy developed to like a starter. At least you put him in the right situation. Yeah, the, I think the biggest thing they're gonna probably lose in terms of the contracts is gonna be on the back end, though. Why? Really? Yeah. Everyone's locked up except one. Yeah. Luke Shen. Yes. Daniel, I want to tell score. you something. I want to tell you score. something. I just want to tell you he something. He did score. <laughs> yes. I would rather, if you said, Adam, do you want 100 Luke Shens or Victor Hedman? Mm-hmm. If you want 100 Luke Shens or Ryan McDonough, do you want 100 Luke Shens or Mikhail Sergachev? 100 Luke Shens. 
I'm going with, with all of those other defensemen. No offense to him. He doesn't care. He's made millions. He's, he's he won the he, cup. Yeah. He won a cup last year. He's in an excellent position to do it this year. I don't care about Luke Shen. Watch him get the cup winner tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but that won't happen because I'm not complimenting him. I was going to tweet, uh, Stanley Cup game-winning goal is going to be Zach Bogosian, but I didn't do it. What really hurts is if it's a defenseman, it's a good chance it's a former Hab. Ooh. Oh, yes. Ooh. I can't do, Matt, what's that, two out of six? Yeah. Can't yeah. Do, Even though do McDonough math, right? doesn't really count, though, because like that was Ganey. Oh, and it was a game. He was in university, right, when he was traded? Um. He, well, yeah, he hadn't played. It was the summer. Yeah. It was like a few months after he was drafted. You're welcome, Scott. Oh, I was going to bring up something when we were talking about Ryan Kessler. I really miss Jonathan Druin. But I, I hope it's okay if I bring it up. Kessler? No, um, when we're talking about Ryan Kessler and talking about, oh, you're not watching his show. You know why no. whose show I was watching? Scott Gomez. Yeah, his playoff he show from show. Alaska. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. He had Martin Broder on. It was cool. That's cool. Did Marty go there in the Enterprise around the car? The Probably. official, the official motor company of the NHL. I thought if like it's like the Wayne's World where he just shows up with all of his promotions. If I had to take a guess, yeah. Don't get jaw surgery, by the way, guys. Because at least right. once a week, your mouth is really gonna hurt for some reason. Even though it's been nine months since my surgery. I think Brendan Gallagher goes through that too. Yeah, yeah, and he got his surgery like the next day, and I had to wait the whole summer. You guys should have just gone together. No, by the way, remember, remember, no penalty on the play. Thanks, Chris Lee. What? My, well, you want to call Mike? We can have a discussion about it again. <laughs> um, one of you guys can do the uh, – no, I'll do it, whatever. Okay, well, if you joined the show, I think you did. Uh, if not, sucks. I'm sorry that you can't get that about an hour left of your time. But I'm sure if you come back for another hour of your time plus next episode, you'll enjoy it even more. Exactly. Because it will either be a post-mortem on the Hab series or we'll be talking about the mints of the Hab comeback. And I assume it will be the latter. Um, we're on like every social media there is, especially the TikTok. Check out the TikTok. That was good. TikTok. Uh, YouTube especially. That's cool. Um, check out all our individual stuff. Alex's blog, Daniel's for the Hockey Riders and I open there my YouTube channel. I'm not making an HFR until the series is done. Because in that, I want to do a nice big F thingy where I go through each player this season and be like, you did good. And then Pro League, you were there. Congratulations. <laughs> okay. Uh, besides that, uh, Facebook. Check out Facebook. Even though we don't check out Facebook. Just kidding. Um, and beside that, thank you, The Voice Said, as always, for being a fantastic platform for the show. Shout out to Alex. Had a different background today, and he has the best lighting of all of us. I know. Maybe I should That's do you. this more often. You should. That looks very good. I will do it more often. Before we go, guys, I was watching Titanic earlier today. Okay. That is such a sad movie. Like, I know, right? Second really time sad. I've watched it, but like, like the last forty minutes are just a like it's when a punch. when the musicians stop, it's like no one's listening to us, and it's like they don't listen to us at dinner, and they start again, and that whole last song, and it like shows all the people, and then it ends with the gentleman. It's been a privilege playing with you. I'd like, oh, it's 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 tough, man. It's so tough. So tough. How in the world he Leo Leo did not get an Oscar for that movie? Is like, listen, like I don't watch a lot of mainstream movies, but Wolf on Wall Street and Titanic are amazing. 
Yeah. And especially Leo, like the disrespect. Well, you got it for The Revenant. That's a really good movie too. The Revenant is nothing. What? It's good. It's not. Listen, Titanic, a testament to how good Titanic is. It's a three hour movie that should be three hours. Mm-hmm. Unlike certain other films. It works. There's something do in every Alex. art. Don't do this to Alex. There's yeah. great character work. <laughs> you know, Detective Pikachu. We talk about we went from New York to Sicily back to New York. Forget Why are we rehashing this? Yeah, Sicily was garbage. <laughs> Why are we what? rehashing this? Um, because, we love Apollonia. Yeah. By the way, I I, yeah. I I don't like F1 anymore, guys. Why? Because I very clearly clearly realized, oh, so this has been like the last decade, eh, or fifteen years. Oh, it's either the first Red Bull driver or Lewis. Oh, okay. So this is where we are in this sport now. Okay. It's cool. like basketball for a while with LeBron, and once in a I'm while telling, McLaren's next, in there. Next year will change things. Next year will change things. Regulations. Oh, I'm not like I'm not even watching qualifying anymore. I'm just like, okay, cool. Let's just watch it's the, just race. the race. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. how it goes, and it's like, oh, great back-to-back years where the winner in Austria has won like by like 20 seconds. <laughs> Great stuff, guys. Shout out to Sergio, like running Charles off the track twice. Loser. Um, and shout out to poor George. Alonzo, you have enough points. Back off. He even said it in his uh, presser afterwards. He's what? like, I wish it was anyone but George. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's funny. Oh, uh, okay. Well, Alonzo, killer instinct. Um, yeah, he goes, when I saw it was Russell and P10, I hoped it'd be anyone but him. Oh, Alonzo <laughs> might be his biggest fan. Well, him and Toto. Him and Toto. Him and Toto. Yeah. Okay, that's it. Awesome.